Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC825. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, a part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we'll get to our interview with JP Delacamera from Qatar. Can, can, I just, can I just make it? Contrary to what they just said, this does not conclude our broadcast time. No, we're still we are still on the air. We're still okay, talking. So, just, so for anybody who heard that, we were just as confused as you are. We're still on the air. <laughs> Jeff's, Jeff's face when that occurred was fantastic. Actually. That's cool. Next time, I'll just play it right in the middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, that, that, or just say like, "Hey, by the way, we're going to play something that says yeah. you're going off the air before you go on the air." Uh-huh. All right, Jeff. Sitting there going, "Don't." Since we are on the air. Yes. Uh, all right. I don't care about what happened last night in Thursday Night Football. Yes. You're We're not going to ask me about no, it? No, I really don't care at all. Thank you. We're going to get to JP from Qatar uh, in a few minutes, mm-hmm. talk all uh, things World Cup, because, soccer. Because we've ran out of guests on in this hemisphere, so we've <laughs> decided that we're going halfway across the world for our guests now. We have goals, Jeff. Yeah, That's right. what we do. Uh, I am no going, pun intended. I am going to start in your wheelhouse. Yeah. This is your weekend. Yeah, I don't know what it's like. My weekend. I don't know what it's like oh. to have a team in a conference championship oh. <laughs> game. We were actually talking about this before the show about our different uh, college rooting experiences. Yeah, like you've been to semifinals and national championships, and I have never had a team to go to root for in those <laughs> games. So I have not been to them. Well, you you have to make when you were a youngster, you had to make a decision. Do you want to go to a school that has real sports? Or hey. you want to go to school that doesn't? You chose Rutgers, and obviously, you know we like to talk real to Coach Shiano. Don't worry, Coach Jeff is going to stop time, ripping us. And, and, <laughs> and at the time that you went to school, you were an independent, so nobody even. No, wanted we were in the you. Big East. Actually, you were. Yes, we were in the Big oh. East when, when we. How'd that work out for you? Not well. We didn't play oh, good okay. in there in right. that conference either. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop. Bashing is Rutgers Rutgers. going to a bowl game this year? No, they're not. Jeff, can we focus do, on the do you teams know that, that are... Do you know that there's going to be at least three teams, I think, that are not bowl eligible that are going to have to be in a bowl? Yeah, there's too many bowl what? games. Of course. Rutgers still won't qualify for that <laughs> one either, so don't worry. So let's get to the games that start tonight. <laughs> they're not even one of the best non-bowl eligible teams. USC has to beat Utah, apparently, in order to stay in the number four spot to make the, the CFP, which, by well, the way... that makes sense. They already have a loss. Next year now won't be four teams, right? Or two years, 2024. No, two years, 2024. It will now be 12 teams yes. after what happened this week. Uh, they finally coaxed the big, uh, the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl to, to give it up. To giving up the sunset. Right. Which apparently that was the thing, is that they wanted the iconic sunset. Yeah, I'm not buying five that. five o'clock, apparently, after the Rose Bowl I, parade. Look, they the Rose Bowl can't make these decisions on their own, but I think that it's more, uh, I mean, as somebody who kind of grew up with this tradition, is that the Rose Bowl, part of the, the tradition of the Rose Bowl is the Rose Parade. Yeah. And so it's, it's do the parade and then have the game right afterwards. Well, the the thing was um, move your game it's or don't the, be... It's a, not the sunset. Move your game or don't be a part of what we're doing was the ultimatum that seemed if, to... If anybody on the marketing staff of the Rose Bowl actually put that out there, that person should be terminated from their job. So it'll be round one will take place the week of December 21st in yes. 2024. And then the New Year's Six will rotate in 24 semifinal hosts. And then the national championship game will be a week later than usual January so I guess player 20th. safety's out the window now, huh? You know, they're already traveling all the way across the country for games and stuff. So come on, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, it you're is. talking now. You could play up to what seventeen games? It's a lot of football. Yeah, it's a lot of football. 
And look, so you got big games this weekend. Again, tonight you start with USC, who has to win to stay in. They'll win. You've got they Ohio have, they, State. They have the guy who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. You've got the teams on the out. He's very good at yeah. football. <laughs> You've got the teams on the outside looking in that are praying for a USC loss. because they should stay on the outside. Well, I know. Ohio you, State should you not be them in. Any, Alabama should not be in. You got the win last week in the game. You're very, the game. You're yes. very um, happy about that. No, I did not expect it I at know all. you did not. There's, there's no way I thought that they were going to Well, you said it on the, on the radio. You were not. The, I mean, these things are <laughs> recorded jeff we could go back Darn. and find it again <laughs> you remind me of all the dumb things that i've said and occasionally yes. we go find the clip of that too so well it's but, that's usually how it works as but a so michigan you, fan it's usually your heart gets broken at some point so you well it'll just be later oh, come on i'm a philadelphia fan let's be real here well yeah but you're a Rutgers fan and you don't need heart, a heart your, your heart has to have hope before <laughs> right. it gets broken. there's not even a pulse <laughs> so let's get back to this yeah. you are now missing your running back going into the michigan uh blake quorum has just had surgery big 10 games out for the season yeah. uh, how confident are you i mean i love i used to watch this weekend with my dad we would love watching the conference championship games last week with the rivalry games that you had like this time of year was just so much fun and of course, at that time, bowl season was spread out and then compacted on certain days. It was no, just no, different. No, now it's more spread out well, because it starts like next week. The problem yes. is I, the way that I used to watch is you had all of these games on New Year's Day. Those are the ones that I liked. That was so much fun. Yeah. We used to get together in college. We would Whoever's house we were at on vacation over the break, we would sit there and people would bring TVs and we'd hook them all up and put the antennas. We'd have all these games on at one time. And that's the way – now, you may have, when they have this playoff, you may have more games on, on January 1st, which would be great. Does LSU have a chance to knock off Georgia in the SEC championship no. game? And does anybody want to see Brian Kelly dance again? No, not particularly. No. Uh, or, or do his southern accent or whatever phony thing he's going to do next. The fighting Dabos will play North Carolina. Uh, I know you'll be rooting they very hard. They already lost hard. to South Carolina. I know so. you'll be rooting very hard for North Carolina. No, I don't game. care. Well, I mean, why? What, what is Clemson? Gonna, Clemson cannot get back into this. you just don't like Dabo Sweeney. I don't like Dabo Sweeney, so but this just, game, but it doesn't matter anymore. They lost to their in-state rivals, which they sh- that should have never happened. I, I did want to ask while we stay on college football. You, a lot. But you forgot the Big Ten championship is is the culmination of Saturday and it's going to be Michigan versus Purdue. And you're without your running back. So what's your confidence yeah, level? You did see what the backup running back did last week. He did week rather with a, well. With a broken hand. He did He did rather well. It wasn't yeah. quite the Eagles rushing offense, but it was a good football Yeah, but Donovan <laughs> Edwards was suppo- wasn't even supposed to play. He, If you saw, he had a huge cast on his hand. And in the first half, they were reluctant to give him the ball because they were worried about whether or not he would be able to hold on to it. It was, it was really impressive, the, the performance. Well, the thing was... Nobody counted on the fact that Ohio State was just going to allow him to run for 70 yards twice. Well, and J.J. McCarthy out there threw the ball around. That was probably one of his best performances, right? Was, I mean, no, I, don't, it, it was, I don't watch him as closely as you do. Best. But, I mean, I don't think they expected him to have that air attack that they did. Ohio State built their defense to stop the run game with you guys. And you opened it up with the pass and then slammed it down. Well, no, but, the but look— Ohio State at the beginning of the game had the right idea. The right idea was just move everybody up to the line and and force them to throw the ball because nobody had seen McCarthy sling the ball around. I mean, they've seen him sling the ball and he just overthrew all of the long passes. McCarthy settled down very early on when they couldn't run and just was able to find open receivers because it was all man-on-man coverage. 
And as a result of that, it then opened up for the second half, opened up the offensive line. And the one thing Michigan has is on both sides of the ball is great lines. I mean, I was not expecting the defensive line this year to be as good as it was last year when they had Aiden Hutchinson and Ojabo. And somehow this uh, this defensive line is is just as good as last year. Well, you won't be traveling out there for the game this year, but I know you'll be rooting um, very hard in that game. Uh, before we get off college football, I wanted to ask you about some of the coaching carousel. Matt Rule, local guy, going Temple to Nebraska, Tide, going to Nebraska, good fit for him. I think a good, college is a good fit for him. College is a better I mean, fit. I mean, than look the what he did at Temple. Yes. And then look what he did at Baylor. Yeah, he was building it up at Baylor. He just mm-hmm. got the opportunity to go pro, and yeah. I don't begrudge him for it, but I'm very curious to see. I mean, Nebraska was a very proud program. You talk about the days when, uh, you know, the bowl games were all on the same day at the same time. That's when Nebraska was running the wishbone offense with Tom Osborne as their coach, right. and it was like that was something to watch, and they haven't been that at all for a very long time. The other one I know you have a interest in with your son at Colorado is Deion Sanders. Well, no, you, you, well, you're forgetting Luke Fickle. I oh, mean, we'll get to him in a second. Wisconsin made a very good hire. We'll get to Luke Fickle. Fickle. Yeah. We'll get to Hugh Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you about Deion Sanders getting off for the job at Colorado as somebody your son is there. He's taking his sweet old time. Yeah. So Does that I worry see, you? It doesn't worry. I don't think he's going to Colorado. You think he's leaving... <laughs> Where he is? Well, so here's the interesting thing. You know who the starting quarterback is for Jackson State, right? It's his son. Yes. So there's a is, thing called the transfer portal. Well, that's yeah. it. So <laughs> if he's leaving, is he not only going to leave and and strip the program bare the way that Mel Tucker did when he left Colorado the last time? You can't make kids stay someplace. His son, at least, I would think, would go and look. I mean. But that's a lot the, of that's went, the thing. I don't this know is what happens. People go to a school because of the coach that's there, the coach that that leaves, and now you've got the portal with the opportunity that they can go follow. I just, what you've seen in sports is when a coach gets offered a job, when it comes out that they've been offered the job and they acknowledge it, they've usually accepted by now because the the teams, the schools don't want to be rejected because it means the next person they offer the job to has to feel like they weren't the first yeah, they choice. Weren't the first choice. This is odd how this came out a week ago. He finally acknowledged it, and nobody has said a word since. Nope. So Nothing. something's going on here. And, and if you're Colorado, you got a real problem because Fickle's off the board now, um, Rule's off the board now. I don't know who else is out there that they'd want. Uh, Hugh Freeze is off the board yeah, now, which Fickle's is a great, disgusting. Fickle's a great hire for Wisconsin, I think. It, it is, yeah. I mean, he's very good. He will. I he, am much more worried as a Big Ten about Fickle to Wisconsin than you yeah. are. Yes. Because okay. I think it's a perfect fit for him. Yeah, I think it's a very good mm-hmm. fit there, and he can recruit. And he's a class guy. Like yeah. he, he's he's a guy that he'll will fit, fit well, well with Midwest nice. Uh, he already was. Wisconsin. He was already in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah and look what he did with that program. Uh, on the flip side of that, you have Hugh Freeze. You are no fan of him. Um, he has somehow. Are gotten, you? Is it? He has I mean, somehow gotten through the scrutiny uh, to become the Auburn head coach. Even though, what did you say? He wasn't able to be a coordinator. Yeah. The, the, he was drummed out of, where was he at? Missi- Mississippi or Mississippi State? I forget which one he was at. Uh, I think and, Mississippi. And, 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 and he, he, I think, was using a cell phone to call an escort service. You have to look up exactly what happened, but it, he was drummed out and the school was sanctioned for whatever it was that he did. And I believe when he yeah, went... he was on a recruiting trip for Ole Miss and called an escort service. Yeah, and and... and 
then when when he was offered or there were rumors he was being offered coordinators positions, I believe the commissioner of the SEC stepped in and said, "We, you know, you shouldn't be doing this." Yet somehow he cleared up his image enough that he's now a head coach again. Uh, like, Does he join the ranks of Urban Meyer for you? I, I guess he's another guy who's going to have character matters is his motto, right? Well, well. Can we, t- you know what, can we just talk for, you know, we talk about character and, and stuff on the show that, you know, you don't get to talk about a lot on other shows. And I would like to talk, I know this is kind of a Michigan thing and you can roll your eyes at it, but if you've been paying attention at all to Purdue, Purdue's quarterback, Aiden O'Connell's brother passed away last week. And Purdue does this thing where, where they help the student-athletes set up charities that they're interested in and causes that they're interested in. And an interesting thing happened this week, which was Michigan alumni, Michigan fans, decided to start donating $16, which is Aiden O'Connell's number, to his charity. And then J.J. McCarthy, who's the quarterback for Michigan, who's playing them in the Big Ten Championship tomorrow, decided to call Aiden O'Connell to offer his support. That to me, that's the kind of story that you can't tell enough of. Yeah, I mean, look, we we see that with sports franchises sometimes, where their fans will contribute to GoFundmes and mm-hmm. support efforts, and it's Bills the, Bills fans have done are that very for good, a while. Are yes. very good with that, giving in certain amounts for mm-hmm. certain things. Um, it's the essence of putting your fandom to to something bigger than than who you root for. Yeah, and I, it's it's great to see. And look, I don't mind that you bring it up. I don't care. It's a Michigan thing. I, well, it it seems to be a Big Ten thing that the schools seem very supportive. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State may not be supportive of each other, but even if you remember a couple of years ago when Ohio State's quarterback went down, Michigan's quarterback went over and was consoling him, um, but. The Big Ten has all these traditions of supporting each other. To the me, Iowa hospital. I was. Ways, I was just uh, going to say there. To me, I have never seen anything in professional or college sports like what Iowa does. I got to be out there for that at Kinnick Stadium one time. And, and does it just? Do you just have a chill? It's down the your coolest. Spine? It's it's the coolest thing to be there for. It's the. It doesn't matter whether you're there or on TV. It is just the the kids that are waving out of the hospital window getting that moment of joy from the fans in the stadium who are taking a break from their absolute passion and focus on the field to turn around and wave to those little kids who just want something to smile about. Yeah, for people that don't know what's going on, what we're talking about is the, the, the children's hospital in Iowa is actually overlooks the football stadium. And so the tradition has been that the, the kids who are getting treatment there are waving out with their families and the players and the students in the stadium stop everything to recognize them and wave in. And both teams do it and all of the fans do it. And I have never seen anything in sports it's very that cool. just like makes you just stop and not breathe. It's very cool. Jeff, we, until we connect with JP, we got about four minutes till we hit the break to get to him. Let's not talk Flyers. Um, no, please. No, we will not talk Flyers. Uh, the Eagles are still 10-1, and one, man. Um, Wait, so what's more important to you this week? Is it that the Eagles are 10-1 or that the Saints lost another game? Both. Okay. I'm totally being on the fence with that. Are you starting to get worried? So this week, are you going to be worried that the Eagles have not been good at stopping the run? I've been worried about them since the start of this. Okay, season. so is you this, told it, me do before, they lose this game? Before I don't know. I don't think they win. I don't think they lose this game. 
but I, I think that they give up yards. I think they have to try and follow Cincinnati's blueprint, and it could be helpful that Jordan Davis may return mm-hmm. from his injury. That could be very helpful. But the the Saints, I mean, I'm I'm very interested in that pick. It's up to the sixth pick right now. Right. Um. So having two first round picks is not a bad thing, especially when your team is ten and one. But you you gave me a hard time before the season. Never we went through. I have never given when you a we hard went time. through. And look, I'm wrong about stuff all the time. Okay, we we've been through this. But, <laughs> as, as you've just told we me, went, this is recorded. <laughs> we went through the the two the things that that we thought were good and bad, and we were talking about all the great things. And I said to you, I'm worried about stopping the run and their special teams. Really? And I continue to be worried about stopping the run and their special teams. <laughs> I guess I have to pay attention to what you say more. Huh? Well, I know you don't listen to me, <laughs> but yeah, the, you gave me a hard time for saying like, how can you worry about the special teams when you have all these weapons? What are you worried about on special teams? They gave up two returns of 50 plus yards. Right. They have teams that literally get the ball eight yards deep in the end zone and return it because they know the Eagles can't tackle on defense. So is it their return or game is it players? Is both. Ooh. And and you've heard some of that this week with Nick Sirianni saying they may have to look at some other players playing there. They don't play. What do you as mean many. may? Obviously, you need to. They don't look. Malcolm Jenkins. If you're saying that it's that bad, why would you on, not be? Looking? I think you have to. Well, you. It's a balance. You don't want to necessarily put Devonta Smith back in the return game no. and get him hit and hurt, so he's not there as a wide receiver. So, which players do you choose to put there? But it's certainly a concern. Well, it won't be AJ Brown after he lost seven pounds last week. No, that would not be good. But yeah. it's certainly a concern. Concern that you're giving up starting field position between the 30 and 50 yard line, and teams clearly have no regard for your ability to tackle and stop them on a kickoff. See, to me, that's scheme. That you can't tell me that the quality of players on a 10 and one team that they don't have enough on special teams to make the tackles. There has to be something with the scheme if, that they're running that people that other teams are seeing. I, I'm sure that is. And if you watched this week, it was Dan Orlovsky and a couple other people on ESPN broke down the run defense and the scheming issues of how they weren't attacking the right gaps, how the holes were opening. I do think it's scheming issues. I don't know why so they haven't you, changed So it. are you also worried about the Eagles defensive coordinator? I've Come on, Jeff. When have I not been are worried you? about him? Yes. Is, that's a yes. I, can t- I continue to be worried about him, and I will so continue to be worried about him. So this is a 10-in-1 team, that and I you're am, worried about two-thirds of the team. I have continued to be worried about them since they were 0 Are and you zero. worried about Jalen Hurts, too? No, I have. And I wasn't okay. worried about him then, either. All right. I thought he would be okay, mm-hmm. but I am Did still— Did you think he was going to be an MVP look, frontrunner? I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. Did you? No, I didn't. Okay. No, but I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. What I'm saying is when you're in the playoffs, these yeah. types of things potentially get exposed, and they stop great teams from going where they need to be. Okay. Any other thoughts, Jeff? No, we the I, mean, I mean, you're the one with the sky is falling here. Uh, the sky is not falling. We should be watching The out. Giants sky already fell. You're so. done. That's your fault for being a Giants fan. <laughs> Stick with us. When we come back, we'll talk to JP. Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825 are ready to get to work. 
taking a few minutes from calling the matches and joining us directly from Qatar. Let's welcome back to the show one of our favorites, JP Della Camera. JP, you've been in the middle of some of the biggest upsets, some of the loudest crowds. Talk to us about the overall World Cup experience before we get to what's going on with the U.S. team. Uh, overall experience, I would say, guys, has been good. No problem getting to and from the stadiums, although we do leave plenty early to do that. Um, there's a lot of public transportation here. We've not taken it, but apparently fans do. So getting in and out of parking lots is nothing. I mean, it's easier to get out of a parking lot at this World Cup than it is to get out of Subaru Park in Chester or Gillette Stadium in Foxborough or, you know, pick any stadium in New York. You know, our driver's there waiting for us. We find him and we're back in the hotel like in 30 minutes. And you, we can't do that in the States, not in any of these big stadiums that we have. So that part's been good and no travel, you know, same hotel, uh, unpack once. Uh, you're going back and forth by car. That's it. You know, no, like in Russia, we were on late night, early morning flights, um, crowded trains. It's been nothing like that here. It's um, from a broadcaster standpoint, it's the easiest World Cup in terms of how to cover it. Uh, transportation and I guess, you know, health and safety wise, you get to sleep in your own bed if you don't want to call it your own bed uh, without changing hotel rooms. So that part's good. You know, you've covered so many of these events over such a period of time, not just in the United States, but around the world. How is this one, if, if at all, any different than any other that you've covered? Uh, this is totally different, guys, because of, you know, the season that it's in, the fact that you had to change everybody's calendar, you know, that on its own is is a big difference you know we're we're calling games here while while the nfl is in full swing and college football is talking about playoffs and so many things are going on in the united states so it is it is totally different you know there's a lot of injuries coming into this and and while people will say that there's always injuries at a world cup yeah that's true but I wonder what the data is saying, you know, are there more big injuries, you know, coming into this one, you know, some of the bigger names have not been able to play. So I think it's been different, you know, for a lot of reasons, the part I mentioned before, not having to travel. So that's not a factor for these teams. You know, sometimes you'd say somebody has a rougher schedule. They've got to go to these three different venues. In this case, you know, us could be, you know, 30 minutes apart. In, in their three games. So there's no travel issues at all. So it's, it's totally different. All world cups are different, you know, and this will be, uh, it's the only one that we've had in the middle East. It's the only one that was not held in the summertime. And I would wager whatever you would like to wager that it'll be the last time that it happens. It's, it's too disconcerting to the rest of the world to not have it in the summertime. And, and that's what it seems like in terms of the reaction from people. They just seem a little bit off with when it's being played and, and what's going on. But if you look at the soccer on the pitch, the men's national team from their late draw against Wales, their draw against England, finally getting the breakthrough against Iran the other day. Talk to us about what you've seen from this men's national team. That's one of the youngest that's played at the tournament that's out there competing and advancing. Yeah, I see a fight 
I see a spirit. I see a togetherness. Uh, what I don't see is a goal scorer, but I, I knew that coming in. But I also said this, guys, before the tournament started, I was not worried about the fact that we didn't have a striker. There are several teams, if you guys have been watching games, where you would say they don't have a striker either. Uh, you know, Mexico is one of them, you know, uh, in our own region. Right. I mean, Canada has two good strikers, but neither guy had a good World Cup. So I always thought if I say we, you know, as a country, if we can play solid defensively, we can advance. We don't need that goal score. I mean, you do need a goal score, I think, to win a World Cup, but to advance, you don't. Right. Somebody really good defensively can mark a goal score out of a game. But if you don't have a good goalkeeper or you don't have a solid back line or a defensive commitment, you're not going to go far. And the only reason that this team is going into the next round is really because of their defense, right? How many goals did they score? Right? Uh, nobody's talking about, maybe some are, I'm just not aware of it, uh, but people are not saying here, uh, yeah, the lack of a goal score is killing them. They're in the round of 16. What have you seen with the central defense? And is there anything that you like about uh, what you've seen or concerns about what you've seen? Yeah. Well, you guys have probably seen more games than I have because I'm focused on my own game. So like every time the U S has played, uh, I've either had a game or I've had a study for a game. Uh, I did watch though the other night. Um, I was a bit surprised. I hadn't heard reasons why that Zimmerman didn't start. I know he had a rough a penalty call against him in one game, but the second game he, he seemed to rebound, but um, Reem has been, I think, Pretty solid. I'm, I'm glad he's on the team. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to make it based on uh, <clears throat> the fact that he wasn't being used much recently. So that was a pleasant surprise for me that he was put on the team and he's he's been starting. So whether it's he and Zimmerman, uh, uh, Cameron Vickers, whoever it is there, I'm not worried about them, you know, in that particular spot. I do think, though, when you're playing a team like like the Netherlands, you're going to be challenged more. And, and at some point, you know, if if this dream is to continue, they are going to have to find goals from somewhere. And and maybe it's just one, you know, look what Pulisic did the other night. And that's that's all that they ended up needing, like one big moment from one person. And they got it as long as they stay solid defensively, they can win. You know, they're not the favorites against the Netherlands. I think it's if I'm not mistaken, the Dutch are like unbeaten in 18. And I watched them during the Nations League. They're very good. I thought they could have a deep run in this tournament. So, you know, I wasn't thrilled with the matchup, but I'm not sure what matchup I would have liked, you know, because it gets tougher as you go deeper into this tournament. I mean, Senegal uh, has to play against England. Senegal is very good, even without Sadio Mane. So no easy games now in the round of 16. The one thing that I'm concerned about on defense is as you get further into this tournament is about being sound on defense and not taking a lot of chances. The one, again, the one thing that concerned me was seeing that Dest seems to be kind of a gambler when he's back there. Is that mm. something that they're concerned about? I'm taking a pause to think about it. I mean, you'd probably have to talk to Greg about that. I mean, it's sort of like if that's his strength, you don't want to hold them back too much, but you do have to be concerned. You're, I think like Anthony Robinson is terrific on the other side and, and he'll take risks too. So I'm okay with that, you know, as long as they have cover, as long as they have cover. And look how much ground Tyler Adams covers, by the way, so that, you know, when he sees somebody's 
taking advantage of a space on the left side or on the right side, he knows what he has to do to combat that in case there's a counterattack. So I'm not really worried about that. I just think when you get into the round of 16, I think there's, and even further, you know, there's less room for error. And, and I always think of things as risk reward, what maybe was okay in the group stage because you had, you know, three games in which to do it. You now have 90 minutes. So risk reward for every player in the field for every team. You know, you mentioned Tyler Adams from his play on the field to his leadership in the locker room to the ambassador that he was for our country at the contentious press conference with Iran. Can you talk about what you've seen from him and his leadership as we've gone through this? I would tell you this. I don't recall what age he was, but I want to say he was 17 or 18 when I first interviewed him. I was doing a game for Fox. And when I came out of that interview, whoever I was with, I said, you know, check his birth certificate. There's no way this kid is whatever he was like 18 or 19 because he spoke like a poised veteran, you know, like he was so articulate. He was so bright. He was so insightful that I thought he's got to be like 25, you know, and he's still not 25, right? You'd have to check his age, but uh, terrific leader, poised. I think just what you'd want from a captain and especially with, you know, what was going on, you know, with the social media stuff, um, he did an apology, right? Because he mispronounced Iran. Uh, you know, many people say Iran, it's Iran. Uh, and he apologized for it. And he didn't have to, you know? I mean, nobody's trying to disrespect anything. People mispronounce names and things like that all the time. But I think he's a great leader. He leads on the field, but also off the field. I think players do respect him. And the fact that he was given the captain's armband at such a young age, even though it's a young team, shows a lot in what this team feels about him. The youth on this team has been pointed out by a lot of the announcers as the games have been gone. I, th I think that they are the third youngest team in this in this tournament. Um, how important is it that, that these guys have been playing together and that despite their youth, they seem to be gelling at the right time? Well, sometimes they say youth has no fear, right? And I know these guys are together. You can see it. You can hear it in the interviews. And I think that does say a lot for me my goal for this team was just to get out of the group stage to me anything else is a bonus and i'm just speaking for me personally somebody else might say to you if they lose to the netherlands you know i'm disappointed they only got to the round of 16. i'm good that they got out of the group stage there are some good teams Belgium didn't get out of the group stage right there's some good teams that are that are going home so i'm, I'm good with that my thought for this U.S. team is that this is an amazing experience that they can build on because they're hosting four years from now. And four years from now, the core of this team is still going to be the core of this team. You know, Tyler Adams may still be their captain. You know, these guys are all young. Pulisic will still be there. You know, Gio Reyna will still be there. Wea, um, Eunice will still be there, you know? This is a great group of players, you know, Dest, Robinson, they're all still young guys. So I think the sky's the limit, but I think where, where my expectations will rise will be in 2026. Anything I see from this team from now on to me is a bonus. If they, if they get a little bit of luck, things go their way, 
they're in the quarterfinals. I mean, you know, they believe they have a chance to beat the Netherlands. You know, you mentioned Gio Reyna. I'm curious. He's somebody who's gotten a lot of attention for not getting on the yeah. field as this tournament's gone on. What is going on there uh, that we don't know about that's yeah. getting him on the field? <laughs> I don't have any inside information, guys. Um, I was wondering the same thing, you know, myself. I know he's had some injury issues. Um I don't know. I haven't seen anything. You know, I've seen like speculation. Um, I don't want to go on that. I've not seen Greg really address it. I believe he likes Gio Reyna as a player. Like who wouldn't? I, I think he's a star, um, you know, a young star right now. And I think he's going to be like Pulisic, you know, our two key guys in 2026. So I don't know whether it's the system that they're playing, whether he doesn't feel he's 100%. Uh, I don't know. I, I have no real idea, but I'm a I'm a fan of Gio Reyna's, just like I was of his dad Claudio, and I hope to see him on the field, you know, sooner rather than later. I'm I'm surprised myself that he's not had as many minutes as I might have thought he would have gotten. But again, I don't know what the injury situation is, and at a World Cup, um, if you think teams are tight lipped before a World Cup, try at a World Cup. You know, one of the guys who is getting some playing time is a guy that, that grew up right around the corner from where we're broadcasting from in Medford, New Jersey, oh, Brendan yeah. Aronson, uh, a, a guy, a, a, well, he was a kid the first time we interviewed him when he was first coming up. You He's got still a to, kid. He's that's still right. A kid. But, yeah. but you, but you got to, you got to watch him from his, his days, his early days to, to now. How proud are you to, to have seen what he's become and what he's becoming and how he's matured as a person and as a soccer player? Well, I think, guys, so many times we hear people say when they see somebody, you know, he's a national team player. He's going to be a national team player. He should be a national team player. You know, and they said that about Brendan, too. But Brendan was like a teenager and I'm watching him and I can see he's got talent, but I don't know if he's a national team player. You know, he was this um, thin kid that didn't look too strong going a hundred miles an hour all the time, but you knew he had talent, right? And I give him full credit. I mean, he comes from a great family uh, background, you know, in soccer, coaching, all that stuff. Uh, he's a dedicated kid, a polite kid. Um, I remember Madunian and Bedoya telling me before, you know, how eager this kid was to learn. And he would give credit to those guys for helping him along the way. So he's a humble kid, too. Um, I'm so happy for him and his success. He's done well. I think he's gotten stronger. I think he has added even more soccer IQ to his game. I think he is um, he's come a long way from the guy that could only go 100 miles an hour to knowing when to go 100 miles an hour and when to slow it down to 85. And if he has to slow it down further, I think he's capable of doing that. And I think he's nowhere near his ceiling. I, I think this kid is going to get better and better. Um, Leeds is one club that he's going to play at now. I see him going to a bigger club at some point in the near future. You know, his speed is obviously a benefit. Same thing with Weah. Is there any chance that the U.S. has the ability or interest in more crossing runs or overlaps to get behind that Dutch back line? Uh, that's probably part of their their scouting plan. But again, we don't know what changes Greg is going to make. Like I said, a lot of us were surprised that Zimmerman was not starting because Walker has been called on pretty much 
every time, right? When the U.S. has played. So I don't know what changes Greg has. And also, you know, you're playing every four days, right? Pulisic is saying or seems to be saying that he's going to be ready to go. And while I believe that's true, I think if he wasn't ready to go, he knows enough not to say that. And if he doesn't, the coaches and everybody around would be saying, you know, don't tell the Dutch whether you're playing or you're not playing, you know? So I honestly don't know if he's playing. My gut says that he probably will. I would say this to you. If he doesn't, if he doesn't start, he's more seriously injured than anybody is letting you know, because that's not a game that he would want to miss. So I don't know what other changes that they might make. Um, Sometimes coaches, you know, go with the flow. Sometimes, sadly, coaches overthink things. Uh, Sometimes they don't want to mess with something that's going well. And others would say, you know what, we're the underdog. We're going against the Netherlands. I think this could work here or this player could work better in this situation or these outside guys are better than the two that I was going to use in the last game. So I think Greg has done a terrific job managing this team. Um, I think he's checked all the boxes. He was hired to get this team back into the World Cup. He has done that. He has gotten this team into the round of 16. And like I said, you know, you can look down the list. Belgium is going home. And while I didn't rate Mexico this time around, I I wasn't sure that I didn't think they would go far in this tournament. But if you had told me that they would have played two games and not had a goal and and could have gone home possibly after that, that might have been a surprise. So U.S. has done well. You know, they're going on and and other teams with a deeper and richer soccer history are having their tournament hopes ended early. You know, you mentioned Greg and what he's done with this team. I've been a critic at times. I questioned you already on his use of Gio Reyna. At the same time, he's a coach that's won the Nations League, won the World Cup and made it out to the group stage of the World Cup. What is Greg Berhalter's legacy going to be about where he took this team from? And is it defined by if they win their next game or is it defined by the fact that they made it to the next game? Depends on who you're asking. If you're asking me, I think he's he's done it right now. He's done it. He's gotten into the round of 16. They're out of the group stage. They have a legitimate shot against the Netherlands. And so he's done well. Imagine if he gets you know a win there. And now he's in the quarterfinals, right? And then it's all about matchups, right? I mean, people would always say before, um, how far can the U.S. go? Or how far can England go? Or how far can Spain go? And I would always say, you know, well, they'll get out of the group stage. But then it's, who are you up against, right? I mean, in this next round, if the standings went a different way, Argentina could have played France again in a quarterfinal. Now you're knocking out a tournament favorite in the round of 16, Right. So, you know, before these tournaments start and, and, you know, before you see how how this could work out, I mean, would somebody have predicted, well, the U.S. can go really far if you knew that they had to play first against Argentina and then if they beat them, they'd have to play France. And then if they beat them, I mean, you don't know what the matchups are going to be. So this is a decent matchup for them. And I'm happy with where Burhalter has taken them. The farther he goes, I guess the, the stronger the legacy But I would think based on what he's accomplished here, that he leads them in 2026. Whereas, you know, if he was out on the group stage, that probably people saying 
he should go, you know, right or wrong. That would be their opinion. Uh, my opinion is he's done a good job and I would have, I would have kept him even if they lost in the group stage. I mean, that Iran game, think about it this way. They played three games, right? Three close games. Could have beaten Wales, but, you know, Gareth Bale does it again. Uh, sorry, Philadelphia, uh, but there's Gareth Bale, right? Uh, the England game's a 0-0 draw. That Iran game could have gone either way. So they could have played three fairly solid games, competitive games, and been out. Is that Greg's fault? I, I say no. You know, you mentioned some of the matchups and you got to call Argentina's first game where they lost and panic yeah, ensued about that. Yeah. Uh, the other night I was enjoying watching as Mexico and Poland were going back and forth. They were tied and they were updating the standings based on yeah. who had the most yellow cards for the fifth. Yeah, that was breaker. last night. That was last night. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how this tournament has actually played out on the field with Belgium going out? Some of the favorites struggling early on. What's the form that you see as some of these teams head to the round of 16 right now? Well, that's another thing that I, I forgot to mention, you know, in this interview. And you said, why is this a different World Cup? It's how teams are going to handle this, right? Because in other World Cups, the season is over. You have about three weeks maybe to rest up. And then you have another few weeks where you're going into a national team camp and you're playing friendlies against teams whose styles are similar to who you will face in the group stage. In this World Cup, somebody was playing possibly in the Premier League on a Saturday or a Sunday. And the following week, they're playing for their national team. Uh, teams did not have any time to get everybody together. Certainly not for three weeks, maybe maybe a week, maybe some of them. Some guys were trickling in. Some guys are coming in hurt. Some guys with you know minor injuries. It's been a different World Cup for that reason. And that's why I always thought there'll be surprises in this tournament. I wasn't that foolish to predict that Argentina would lose the first game against Saudi Arabia. Nobody was that crazy. But those are the types of things that, yeah, they've happened before at other World Cups, but you're less likely to see it in the summertime. You know what I mean? If Argentina had come in really well-prepared, well-rested, that may be a different outcome, not taking anything away from the Saudis who played <laughs> the game of their lives that night. But those are things that happen in a World Cup like this where it's more of an equal footing. We said before, no travel, so there's no advantage there. Right. Everybody's playing pretty much the same schedule. The games are packed in. So health is more of a factor, I think, in this one. The French already lost a player to an ACL after losing, what, four or five players before the tournament even started. So it's different. I think one of the reasons we're seeing the upsets is because of this. It's so unpredictable. And I, I think I don't know who the team is going to be, but there will be a surprise team that goes deeper in this tournament than somebody might have expected. You know, it's interesting. You just talked about the, the lack of travel because it's more of a condensed area that the games are in. How different is it going to be in four years when, when you have three different countries that yeah. teams are moving from, from, team, from country to country, city to city? It's going to be totally different. Um, even if it was just in the U.S., you know, it would have been in, you know, whatever, eight to 10 big markets coast to coast. So there was always going to be travel. I'm not sure how they're going to work this out, because remember, they're going to have 48 teams 
in that World Cup. So it's going to be bigger anyway, broader in terms of its geography. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that they still have to figure out and work on, but I will make this prediction. Uh, the World Cup in 2026 will be the greatest World Cup in World Cup history. Nobody will come close to that. I mean, in 1994, we set all kinds of records as a country for tickets sold, television ratings, sponsorship. And now, even if it was just us, but it's not, it's Mexico and Canada, they'll blow the doors off all the records. Well, one of the other differences is the stadiums that you're in now are, seem loud, but they're smaller. Yeah. When, they, when it comes to North America, they're going to be playing in much larger venue. What have you noticed about not just the decibel levels of, of where you're calling games now, but the difference as far as the size and the crowds that are there at this time? Um, I would say, I mean, all the buildings seem to be full. I mean, if you see empty seats, you know, I haven't seen empty seats in, in the venues that, that I've been in. Um, could they have sold more? I don't know. You know what I mean? It's a small country and it's a harder place to get to. And also, guys, it's a very expensive place to get to. And and so I have to see some data to see, you know, who's buying the tickets, you know, where are they coming from? Uh, are the African countries because they're closer here? Are they selling more tickets there? In previous World Cups, the U.S. was usually like number one among foreign countries in terms of purchasing tickets. Uh, I see a lot of U.S. fans. I haven't seen them at, at my hotel, but I've seen them, you know, throughout the city. I've seen them at the games. I thought in that England game, they were very loud and very supportive. And I think they helped to serve as like a 12th man for our, for our club. So I think that 2026, just like we're saying about this one, but for different reasons, will be totally different because you're using three countries, because it's, you know, 48 country or 48, yeah, 48 countries that are going to be involved in this. They have to figure out another format to make the whole thing work, but they'll figure it out. You know, I know it's late there, so we won't keep you much longer, but I got to ask, how do you deal with Van Dyke and DeJong in this next game? Ooh, Carefully. I would say, you know, get them to move if you can, you know, get them to shift. I mean, Van Dyke is as good as anybody, you know, in that position. Um, they've got some good solid players. Um, they probably feel that it's their time. I mean, they did well, like I said, in the Nations League, saw some of their games, thought they were very good. You know, they've been runner up a few times in this competition. Um, they probably feel like this is the one, you know, for them. You know, if I thought this before the tournament started, I, I, full disclosure, I picked Brazil, but I also picked Neymar to win the golden boot, you know, not knowing he was going to have his foot in the boot, probably. Uh, so he's not going to win that. Uh, I probably should have went with Mbappe or somebody else, but I did pick Brazil to win it. But I always pick, I always pick like the usual suspects. And if you look at the history of the World Cup, the usual suspects win. So when you're deep in that pool, if you said, you know, who else could win it? You might have said Belgium, you know, you would have lost that bet. But I would have said Netherlands before this started. I would have said the Dutch have a team that, you know, if you're looking at a team that's not among the normal trendy picks, who else would it be? I would have said the Netherlands. Well, I'm afraid to ask for a prediction now against the U.S. Oh, no, I won't do that. I always <laughs> yeah, forget it now. <laughs> I, I always pick the U.S. to win. I always pick the U.S. to win. So 
Uh, I would never pick against them, but this is going to be tough. They are underdogs. I think that um, from a U.S. confidence standpoint, if they could get the first goal, it's huge. I think I think they're built more for that, even though they they hung on for their dear lives the other night. I think they're more capable of that than in our previous discussion where we talked about a lack of a goal score. You know, you can't afford to go down by a goal, much less two. So that's the key for me. The longer it stays at zero, guys, the the better chances the U.S. has of pulling off an upset. If it's zero zero at halftime, I like our chances even better. And I'm really curious the numbers of how many people watch your broadcast there. I mean, England, the U.S. against England set a record. The U.S. against Iran at two o'clock in the afternoon out through the World Series. So we've seen some great soccer numbers back here. I do enjoy that this is soccer chat on the Fox set, by the way. That's been fun to watch as well. JP Della Camera. Yeah. So, JP, what we're trying to tell you is the ratings seem to be exponentially better when you're calling the game. Yeah. So you should get on that. Keep keep on it. Ratings are so good, guys. Uh, and imagine, imagine USA versus England if that was a primetime game, or or you know a better late afternoon weekend slot, right? But they're setting records anyway, and and you know, I could only imagine what the rating will be for the Netherlands game. But if they ever win that, regardless of who they play, right? Regardless, if they win that game. You know, every game is a record. And even if the U.S. is out, I mean, you're building stars in this tournament, right? And so people are are glad that Messi is still in it. Um, I shouldn't say, like, who's in it, who's not in it, because, um, you know, we're building stars. You know, you've got Mbappe. You know, you've got um, other stars on, on Brazil's team. You've got Messi. You've got so many other players there. So that I think when you're in a tournament, as a network, you've got to sell so much, right? Because first of all, in 2018, the U.S. wasn't even there. So that's more of a challenge, right? If the U.S. isn't there uh, and you've got all the games, that's a challenge, right? And it'll be the same next year with, with the U.S. women. You know, you hope that the U.S. women get to the final again. You hope that they win it. But but if they don't, you know, what if they're knocked out early? You know, you're trying to build an audience. So I, I think the competition is great on the men's side here, and it'll be great on the women's side. I think Fox has done a magnificent job in presenting the stories and the stars of this World Cup. You know what? We were going to let you go, but I got to ask you a question now because you're talking about building stars. Is there anybody that's not on the U.S. team now that you predict in four years could be one of the stars? Boy, that's not on this team? Um. You got any names for me that I could think about? No, it, it's just, it just kind of came to my head as like, we're looking at this young, young team yeah. that should all be together. But is there anybody out there who's not How about on this? this team? How about this? All right. It's not really a prediction, but wouldn't it be a cool story if Paxton Aronson joins his brother? Oh, that would be like a good in, story. In, if, if Paxton improves over the next four years, like Brendan improved, who knows? He's already on the under-20 team, and he's going to be playing over in Europe, so he'll get yeah. more of that professional experience out there playing yeah. on the field. Here, I'll build on that. Imagine if the two of them could play together on a World Cup team and the game is in Philadelphia. Oh. There you go. See, I like where this is going. This is a good way <laughs> to end it. You know, there's, there's other guys that, that none of us know about. I mean, look at players that they've taken. Uh, how about Eunice? 
Nobody knew who fantastic. he was. Fantastic. Years ago, right? Two, three years ago, nobody knew who he was. There's probably four or five of him out there somewhere else that you'll hear about. I don't even know who they are myself, but there'll be other names on this team in four years. But I do think that the core group that we talked about before, they will still be there and they'll be they'll be better with the addition of better and younger players. And that's the most exciting part is you you hope as a U.S. fan, this is just the start. They've kind of yeah. made it through the next round. Let's let's see that they keep it going. JP Della Camera, even from Qatar, you're available for us after calling matches. Before you call your next matches, matches, we always appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of the tournament, and we will talk to you soon. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. Jeff, is that the furthest we've had a guest travel to call in and speak to us about things? We've had an Australian baseball manager, but this is the farthest that a guest actually was while we were talking to him. How, he, I mean, he's halfway across the world. How cool is it that uh, JP makes time for us in Qatar to uh, to give us an update? And look, I mean, I've been loving his calls. I, I, we mentioned it in the interview. He's called some unbelievable matches and upsets there. He's seen some stuff. It's amazing. Not only is what he's calling, but the way he describes the games. I mean, I didn't realize the stadiums are as small as they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of these soccer World Cups are in these massive arenas, and this is a very small setting. There, I think they're like forty, forty-five thousand per. But apparently, they are loud, like one hundred and twenty decibels loud. Yeah, and look, it's fun. I mean, I I told you when we were prepping for the show, I used to watch games with my grandfather, who like time-stamped all of the World Cup games from previous years, and would go back and watch them like after the World Cup. So we would watch them together. I, I he just wouldn't be. He would be enjoying what he's seeing in terms of the play. And you've seen some of the powerhouses go out and not advance here. And you've got some dark horse teams, some underdog teams, and you've got the U.S. team. Tomorrow, will you be waking up for some early drinking to watch Team USA? I'll watch. I'm not drinking at 9 o'clock in the morning. Get your water ready. Oh, well, I'll have that, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not cracking open a beer. There will be lots of people at the bars at at nine or ten to one. Well, there'll also be lots of people tonight in the on the Dutch team that are getting IVs. Apparently, that is definitely something that they might want to be concerned about. Uh, apparently, some of the players have the flu, so many so that they canceled their last practice today. We'll see how they are tomorrow. It looks like Pulisic is going to play. Um, very, very tough person in terms of that. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how he could not play. He I has. Don't, I, I don't. You see such a difference when he's on the pitch versus when he's not. I mean, he he is, it's not even close in my opinion as to who the star is of this team. Yeah, no doubt. And I am very curious. We asked JP about it. I, I still don't understand what Gio Reyna did, but I wonder whether he gets on the pitch for this match. So Why? Do you think it's a punitive thing? I have no idea. I, I'm not saying it's punitive or not. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe Broholter just it, doesn't think that he needs them or he's... I just it may me, be a matchup thing. I mean, that's that's to me, the thing. He opens up space that they haven't had, and they they've had trouble scoring at times. And he's a scorer. That would just be my thought with it. Uh, do you think the U.S. has a chance tomorrow? I think so. I, I don't. I don't see how. I don't see the Dutch being a team that's going to like just come out and score three goals. I think this is going to be a close match, and I think that the U.S. As JP said. The longer they stick around, the longer something can happen. And the pressure is definitely, I think, on the Dutch tomorrow. I mean, the U.S. got out of the qualifying round. They made it to the knockouts. That's a step forward. 
they'll of course have tension because they're playing in the round of 16, but they're kind of with house money at this point. All of these games are tension. Yeah. All of them. And we didn't really mention in the interview, um, you know who else um, does well because of the men? Not that they haven't earned it, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The women's national team, who will actually make more money from the men going as far as they are in this World Cup Mm -hmm. than unfortunately the women did for winning the 2015 and 2019 World Cups combined. Just goes to show you the pay disparity in terms of the two different genders there. So Mm -hmm. something to keep remembering. Uh, Any final thoughts before we sign off for the week? Get to bed early so we can all get up. And the ratings, as you like to talk about the ratings, the ratings are going to be through the roof Saturday. Oh, it's going to be a great sports day. You've got conference championship games after soccer. Big 10 championship at 8 o'clock. Yeah, I know that'll close out the night for you. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.